I'm John Wayne Bosley, I'm the writer, director, producer of Amnesia. The original concept for Amnesia came to me three months after 9-11. I envisioned something that could possibly be worse than what happened in 9-11. And then I imagined this guy waking up with Amnesia. How did I get here? Who am I? What's going on? And then the most important question ever, where is my family? The TV show stars Andrew Roth as the main character, Alan Carter. I play Alan Carter. He's like a man with no memory. He basically wakes up in this uh, apocalyptic world. There's been an accident. It looks like something from The Walking Dead. People are dying all around him. And he wakes up with a picture only of a woman. And he doesn't really know who this woman is, but she sparks a memory in him, which inspires him then to kind of go out and find out who he is and who she is. Still lives. Hope still lives. Hope still lives. Hello, everyone. This is Bruce M. Herzog. My very special guest is filmmaker John Wayne Bosley. He has a TV series in the making called Amnesia. John, how are you? Oh, I've been great. Great. You know, I've been seeing posts on Facebook. I've seen the, uh, if I ain't mistaken, was it Indiegogo or was it Kickstarter? I can't remember which one it was. It was, it was Kickstarter. It was Kickstarter. I've seen the Kickstarter. I was promoting it around. It stars Andrew Roth, a good buddy of mine, for uh, a long time. Um, go ahead and give listeners an idea about Amnesia. I mean, as far as, uh, you know, what is going on as of right now. The, the, well, you mean the development of the story right now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we, we finished up our Kickstarter campaign. We were successful. Um, a large part of our our purpose behind the campaign was to build awareness, to build a fan base. That was a big key of it. Um, we are talking with um, investors because we want a budget that you know can fulfill the the, the requirements that the the show dictates. And um, actually, I've got a TV interview coming up tomorrow with one of the big Detroit TV stations, um, and we've been working that those rounds. Um, I'm I'm working more on the scripts because I want to make sure I wrote all six all at one shot because I want to know that when you get done the whole season that you can go. I, I like the way they went with it, and the only way you can do that is to write all six, develop them that way, and and make sure that the pieces connect because it's it's three storylines that weave back and forth throughout the, each episode. And if you mess up one of the storylines, the whole thing just goes Kaput. pieces in. Yeah. 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 So it's very difficult. Uh, uh, TV, you're, you're yeah, very concise. You have anywhere between 45 to 50 pages to tell it based on you know what they end up with commercial time. And uh, you've got to hit certain beat marks. It, it goes faster than uh, a, a feature film would. Yeah, um, well, I... It's, you know, I've noticed some of the uh, cast members in the episode one I'm friends with, uh, John J. Thomason. Of course, Andrew Roth is Alan Carter. And one of my new buddies is Diedrich Davis as Tom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Diedrich's in a lot of, like, uh, horror films. Yep. Um, and so, and he has a certain... He's the type of guy where I could probably... If, if, if this was the apocalypse... Give him a give him a, an axe, put him in the forest, and he can walk out like three years later and not even scratch on him. Like he just gives that kind of persona to him. So, you know, I've seen enough of his stuff. He did um, the uh, uh, indie TV show that runs out of uh, Detroit called The Midnight Hour. 
yep. and I had seen enough pieces of it that I'm like, this guy could scare me. <laughs> and he just has that persona. I mean, in real life, he's 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 low key, he's, he's very personal, but he could take on that character and yep. really sell that I'm tough, I can really take a hit. And I needed something like that because his character is one of the first characters that Andrew's character meets up with, and I needed somebody that could go toe to toe with Andrew. Right. And a guy that, that if the guy throws a punch, he could take Andrew down, and I had to make you believe that because Andrew's a good, tough guy. Yeah, and he's the guy you usually expect him to fill the punches, but in the first episode, uh, Andrew's character is totally messed up. He has no idea what he just woke up to, and I needed this person that could that create that that persona. And uh, Dietrich definitely uh, sells that look. Um, he's done a bunch of apocalyptic type. He did a zombie apocalypse one, yep. shot in Michigan. And uh, he, he totally sells that that persona. Yeah, he he was a uh, a guest on my other show a couple times. So Dietrich is a is a good dude, and of course Andrew Roth and I go back to oh my god, back to the eighties. Didn't realize it, but um, his uh, campsite that uh, he was at, I went there as a kid. We didn't really meet each other that much, but we knew of each other. And it's weird, like twenty some years later, we 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 catch <laughs> up and. And we're on Dakota together um, on the bar scene, and then of course oh, yeah, yeah. been best friends before that. And then we, we, you know, we go on vacation together. He's a Andrew is probably one of the one of my best friends that uh, that you know that I very uh, good friends with. I'm very you know we're family. So my family. Is well, one family. Of, that's one of the um, w- w- once I had cast Andrew, and my big clincher was that I wanted him to read the script. And this has to be something that you either you love it or you don't. I, I didn't want people who just did it, well, I need another gig. No, I want, you know, and Andrew loved it right off the bat. And once Andrew announced on Facebook that he was cast, I was, I had tons of actors just contacting me. So he's already has a certain level of respect within the, the acting community that if Andrew says he's doing something, everybody else wants involved. And a lot of them have experience, you know, being on a, on a set with him. And they'll say that um, he brings out the best of people's performances and you need that I mean it, it, uh, the, the script is the foundation but it's the actors that help to bring that believability and if they can't create that chemistry they can't kind of bring out the best in each, each person the, the audience tell, can tell and they'll be like yeah this is not good but Andrew does that um, I know one of the last films that I just read a review on he just did and they they said his was the standout performance of the last the last film that that uh that just got, was released, and um, that says a lot about him. I think he he's the guy, you know, 10 years down the road, people will probably listen to this interview like, oh, that's that Andrew Roth guy. Because I think <laughs> this, guy, this guy's a star in the making, and he's got that that persona. Yeah. And uh, one of the first images I saw of him, one of the other trailers that he had done, I was like, this guy reminds me a little bit of Andrew Lincoln, the actor off from uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah. And you, I needed that. I need somebody that... You know, one moment he's in a scene and he's in love and it's the best moment ever. And then the next moment he's like an emotional breakdown. And the next moment he's he's wielding a gun and he's scaring you. Like I needed somebody that could could span that depth within a 45 minute span. And the audience go, I totally bought that. Yeah. And that's very hard to do. Um, you know, not unless you want to, you want to be paying like the 25 million for these these A-listers in Hollywood. And even some of those guys, I, I Andrew is going to be you know he's going to He's going to show people uh, the depth and the dynamics of his performance, and they're going to be blown away. Right. 
Yeah, you know, my, my experiences um, in the business with Andrew is you're right. A, a, you know, Andrew has been a mentor. Um, he gives me his, his advice, and I took some of his advice, and it does work. I mean, as far as the, uh, you know, when you get a script to uh, audition or, you know, make notes on how you would do You know, it's it just what I'm saying is, is, is he's very – very smart. I mean, I've actually watched him do many auditions through his iPhone. Um, just watching him, how he does it, I learn a lot from. So, you know, he's very knowledgeable. He's well experienced in the industry, and you know, he's one of these guys that uh, that I thank for myself getting in the business, is striving to be hungry and, and passionate like like he is when he takes hold of a character. So, yeah, yeah, yep. and he, um, the, the, the feedback I get from people all the time is he's one of those actors who he, he's, he's, he's 100%, like, percent. he's fully just consumes that character and it becomes him. Yeah. Um, I, now, I, I do think with a lot of actors that can be very dangerous. We've, we've seen actors where they can't come back, you know, and that's why I always, my warning to other actors is I think you gotta, um, you need to pace yourself and not take too many projects. Because if you, you, there are a lot of actors, they'll empty themselves right into a role, and if you don't give yourself just enough time to step back, uh, it's very hard for some of these roles to, to get to get back from it. Um, you know, yeah. and uh, this character is going to definitely. I mean, even though uh, you know he's an A-class actor, it's still going to be a big challenge for him. And I know he's going to he's going to go at it. He's going to give it everything he's got. And he's going to make it happen. But uh, I think if you don't give an actor a challenge, you know, and tell him here's your mountain to climb. I think that you don't get the best out of them. I think he's going to look at it and say, "Okay, now what can I do to make this make this believable?" Right. You know? uh, and one of the other things that I, I, I was always told by people was, just, "Half of directing is your cast. Who you, how you cast them, how how well do they fit? Um, taking you know uh, this actor against this actor, it, will you have the dynamics you need?" And uh, I've been very fortunate. I really did not put out a, a, an open casting post out there they just contacted me and I, I i go to audition somebody like julie kendall um she was one of the first people who responded to me and i heard just the way she had uh some of the, the pieces she sent me on a demo reel i'm like she is almost exactly what this character is mm-hmm. i just i gave her i gave her uh some size i had the thing i do i do my auditions is i give them my size i give them size and i give them improv because i want to see what happens when you get one of those moments where it's going to be on your inspiration. And sometimes you get something better on an improv moment than you yeah. get what was in the script. And then things happen on the set all the time where it's not going to be exactly what we wanted to. Can this person improvise in the, on the moment if we had to make a change? And uh, I was just impressed between her improv and her and her, her uh, delivery of the sides, and it's exactly what I had. Uh, it, you know, time and time again, that's what I would see. Or I find people that were better development of that character than what I could have imagined. Yeah, and uh, one of those things I've learned thing. as a director is to you come up with your blueprint, this is what I want, but be open for positive change. Things that happen that you that that are, that I, you know, you don't want a script to make it perfectly in stone. You'd be willing to adapt a little bit because things are gonna happen that are happy accidents. And if you don't you know, if you're not, you know, uh, uh, you know, a dictator if you're, if you're willing to make a few adjustments, you'll find those happy accidents end up being the highlight moments instead of, you know, something bad. Right. You're right. 
Right. Now, so you're saying now you're waiting for an investors now. Now, you're saying that the first episode well, now, I, explain that to the listeners. I mean, I, I well, kind of got we off did, track. Well, yeah, what we did with uh, um, the stories told in three storylines, and, that, and that's what dictated everything, because if I had known if I had pitched the three storyline apocalypse, follow the TV series straight to a to a uh, network executive, they look at it and go, it's expensive. Because if you shoot episode by episode these three storylines that way, it is, it is expensive because you're setting up the thing over and over again. And so what I said was, is, why don't we shoot it story by storyline by storyline? So we have this big accident scene. Um, this is kind of that cataclysmic event that kind of kicks it all off. Uh-huh. And it opens up, but you see this this scene broke up in these pieces as we reveal different characters and different things that happen to it, but it's spread over the six episodes. So instead of shooting those pieces and shooting it episode by episode, we're shooting it by storyline by storyline. So the first one's that big accident scene. I've already shot a demo of it, so we're going to go back to the same exact road. We're going to get more cars. We're going to have ones flipped over. We're going to have some on fire. We're going to have the helicopters. We're going to get some aerial shots. We're going to do some crane shots. So stuff that I couldn't have done on the demo because I, I was just doing whatever I had in my pocket at the time. I used to shoot a demo. But this is the real the real deal. And that's what we raised the money for on Kickstarter. Okay. And we're working on raising a little bit more funds as we go into actually shooting it. Um, but by, by shooting phase one, that gives you the material to show to investors. Well, our initial idea was that we wouldn't be able to talk to the investors until after phase one was shot because we needed some, some proof of concept. Right. But as the Kickstarter was kicking in, I had people contacting me and say, well, I know somebody over here who's only been talking about projects similar to this to invest in. There's somebody over there. And it's like, well, if people are already interested in let's start the dialogue now. But the nice thing is, is a lot of filmmakers will raise off of Kickstarter just their seed money and then they'll sit on it and just wait. My mentality is, no, no. If the train's leaving the station, people hop on board. Right. Take what you've raised and go shoot what you can shoot and roll with it. And that's what our, our aim is. And, uh, you know, I've had so many people, even in the local area, that are like, you want an extra, I'm, I'm in. You want you in the background actor, I, I'm in. I, I, I want to just be involved in this thing. And, and it is gaining uh, momentum in that way, uh, especially now that I'm going to have that TV uh, interview tomorrow. Uh, you know, people are becoming very much interested in this project. Uh, I love the idea that the actors we have are New York City. They're in Florida. I got some. I got one from from uh, Los Angeles. We have people in Michigan, and having that span of different people means that you're influencing so many people you wouldn't have just within one state border. Right. Um, but, but we're going for phase one right now, which is the the big accident scene, the big the big event. Um, and going after making sure we can shoot that one. But while we're setting that up, let's let's start the dialogue now. We if, and if who knows, we may actually have all the investment money before we even get going. The way things are picking up, because this thing has picked up speed, <laughs> speed a lot faster than I ever expected. It went from a conversation with Andrew to cast people, you know, actors, ca- you know, being cast to Kickstarter campaign success and. You know, I've never seen anything that I've been involved in that's moved this quickly. I saw that the video and that crash scene that started. It just looks so badass. You know, what I mean, how, <laughs> how it, of how it starts because it, it kind of gives you that Walking Dead feel. You know, not yeah, the zombie. Yeah, that's what part. a lot of people commented. 
not the zombie part, but just how how uh, numbing and how serious and how creepy it looks. It really yeah. has a sharp, sharp look and a sharp idea. Well, we shot the uh, when I shot the demo, I had a, I had basically 150 bucks on me, and I had hit like a low point. This is like two or three years back, and I had a I hit a low point as most artists do. Hit mm-hmm. a point you're like. What am I doing? <laughs> you know, did I waste my life? You know, it's just that low emotional point, and I just finally said, "Let's just shoot this thing. Let's just shoot the demo." And yeah. I said, "Well, what do we have on me? I had 150 bucks, and I've had a whole bunch of people who all just wanted to do it for the fun of it. We had people coming up. I had a caterer who offered catering for free. We had all these cars we had for free. I mean, there's a whole slew of free stuff that just showed up. And I just said, "Let's just shoot this thing." I storyboarded it, and what you see in the demo is exactly what was storyboarded, and that's how I worked. I'm 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 very big on find out exactly what you need to shoot, go in there, shoot that, get a little extra coverage just in case something get messed up, but don't waste your time just covering every angle. Get the stuff you need. Be very poignant and very specific about what's the camera angles you want, what's the emotional response you're trying to create in that moment, and and then go for it. I think we shot the uh, once we set it up and practiced with the actors. We shot, I think, like two hours. We we just went all the way through. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> and it was just it was fun because it is sometimes freeing to just say, just do it. And, and that's what I, I got out of the demo was just let's just do it. Let's see how far you can push this thing. And one of the things that I've been learning more and more as a filmmaker is you will always have people who will say you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And my mentality after a while has been, well, why not? Right. Just, just give it a, give it a shot. And you'd be surprised, like the, the aerial aerial photography that we shot um, for the house that Jack broke, um, I went up in a plane. I got it all myself. Hmm. And we got it in 15 minutes. And the, and the, between me and the pilot, we had worked it out so that we could get the steamboat that's coming out of the harbor. I could get all the background stuff I needed. I had so much footage that I actually couldn't use 90% of it because there's too much of it. But if I had paid somebody to do it, it would have been expensive. Expensive you know, and so not even using Yeah. Yeah, who knows what it would have been at the end, but I was able to get in there and get what I needed. And um, the biggest thing I always learned is just see how far you can push the envelope. It's like those uh, the, the test pilots back in the in the Air Force. They would throw them into a plane and say, you know, push the envelope, see how far this plane will go. You know what? Take your story. See what you can do. You know, there's a lot of things because, oh, you can't do that. You need a big budget for it. Well, you know what? Maybe if you're if you're very crafty about how you put together your story and your shots and how you film it, right? You can do some do some incredible stuff, and people will be like, "Wow, I can't believe you did that." Well, this is how Star Wars was was shot that way. Eleven million dollars. They wouldn't even dare to do that today. But I'm thinking, well, where is the next Star Wars? Well, yeah. Maybe that needs to come out of the independent film world then. Right. You know, somebody who just says, "Well." They, they say you can't let's, we'll do it we'll, we'll push the boundaries of how far you can push this stuff and I think that uh, that's one of the goals that I'm pushing with, with the amnesia let's see how far we can go yeah. uh, and do things that they say you can't do it takes passion you know when, when yeah. somebody says you can't then that makes you thrive to say yes I can and maybe that's what a lot of people need a lot of people need negativity, uh, negativity just to push them even farther because you know yourself that you can get this done and uh, I'm proud of you. I mean, that takes a lot of, uh, you know, passion to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I don't care what anybody says. It can be done, and you're on your way. 
So. Okay, here's, here, here's the log line for anybody who's listening. Uh, the story is about a man who wakes up in an apocalyptic world with the amnesia, and he's desperately searching for the love of his life despite the fact that he's being pursued by a ruthless army. Now, this guy only realizes who he is because of this picture he finds in his pocket of him and this girl, and that, that picture is what pushes him. Every episode, he's going to constantly look for this girl, but then he also has to deal with the people he's running with, deal with the people who's chasing him, this world, trying to find all the clues. So it's a mix of, of mystery, drama, some science fiction, some action-adventure, there's a great love story mixed into it, and you, it's one of those ones we wrote that if you watch it, you don't leave during commercial breaks. <laughs> you just stay there. <laughs> you may miss the most important line, maybe the line right after the commercial ends. And, uh, you know, obviously advertisers love that. But I like TV shows like that. Uh, you know, I, I binge-watched uh, The Walking Dead when it came out this last episode, this last season. I watched it on Netflix, and this, I binge-watched the whole thing. I did it to Doctor Who. I had I had never been a Doctor Who fan. I watched the whole all Doctor Who. <laughs> you know, I, that's the stuff I love is the stuff where you're it's, you get these cliffhanger moments, yes. uh, and you're always wondering, you know, are they all going to die? Well, a little secret I'll give away on your on your broadcast is I do kill off a supporting character at some point towards the end of the first season. I won't say who it is, but I am willing to kill off characters. So when you watch an episode. Uh, there's always a possibility that I may just go, well, that person's going to die. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I like those types of TV shows where you could just kill off a character. Right. Because it tells me that this is closer to real life. Real life is so unpredictable that you never know when a couple breaks up. It happens. Right. You never know when somebody dies. You never know when 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 you're fired from a job. I mean, life is so unpredictable. Why isn't TV and film you know, represent that unpredictability. And I like to push for that moments where you really think this could be it, you know. That way you savor every moment and every character feels more like the guy you know in, in real life. And especially when one of the characters people start falling in love with, not love-wise, but as far as the character, and then if that character dies after the first season, then you got the people going, wow. We need to see more yeah. of this. So it, it's it's a trick of the mind. It, it's and you got you got it. That's exactly right. You don't know. One of the uh, one of the most memorable moments they had in the TV show Lost was when they killed off Charlie when he dies because you, you knew it was coming. You know, oh, I can't believe they just killed this guy. But it it gave people people cared. Right. They took a character that a whole lot of uh, audience members loved or they hated or this and that and and then. They were gone, and you're like, we can't get that person back. Uh, and that, you know, that's one of the comparisons that actually people have made that have read the script. They compared it to uh, Lost meets The Walking Dead minus the zombies. Right. Uh, I think that's probably the best best comparison. Was I liked what I loved about Lost was they didn't they didn't waste time telling you how they got on the island. They just woke up. You know, The Walking Dead. Yeah, you saw, saw the beginning part where he got shot, but that was just. That was that was a little introduction of the characters. They didn't introduce you to the, the, the zombie apocalypse that he woke up in it. Right. And then you're seeing from his perspective, and you're like, this is messed up. Like at any moment, they could eat him, and that's the end of the show. <laughs> you know. And, and <laughs> really? that's that was the, the reality. If you woke up in those scenarios, you're not going, oh, well, I wonder. I remember how the plane crashed. No, you wake up in a kind of a dazed moment. And you're like, wow, what's up? 
going on here. And not say both shows when the character wakes up, they don't say anything. That's risky. I love that. Right. They took a risk, uh, and I, I, I was inspired by that. Where the um, the big accident scene, up until the end, uh, Andrew's character won't say a word, and his last, the only word he'll actually will say is a question, which is better. I like those risks. Now you do run the, you do run that risk that people make it bored, but but by willing to take and use silence in very poignant moments, it tells the the audience that you you have enough confidence in your uh, characters and in your story that you're willing to allow there to be some silence. And I, I think that, that um, it lacks in a lot of cinema and a lot of uh, uh, TV shows today, but I think uh, you're seeing a lot more uh, storytellers saying, you know what, we're going to le- allow the use of silence. We, we don't have to have a character who's always talking. Right. Uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a scene they talk about in Breaking Bad where, where Gus' character, before he, he kills this guy, the one, the Walter White character is just rambling on forever. And the Gus guy doesn't say a word. It's scarier that way. Yeah. Why does the bad guy always have to talk? Why can't he just be bad? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it also drives people crazy, too. Yeah. You're like, can you just say something? No, I'm not going to say anything because it drives you nuts. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I think that um, you have to be willing to take risks. Um, and uh, you have to let the story really dictate. Uh, it, it, I think um, a, a feature film and a TV show, the life and death of it will always go back to the script. They, there was uh, talk for a while about uh, World War Z up until it released. Ugh. They were worried because they knew that the script had fallen apart towards the end, so they had to hire uh, Damon Lindelof, often lost, to come fix up the end. I love the end. I actually thought the end of the movie was better and the rest of the thing. I'm so glad they hired this guy. But you can you can tell in a movie when you go, wow, what happened to that movie? Well, it probably goes right back to the script. So it tells me, as a filmmaker, that script has got to be as close to perfect as you can get before you say action. Yeah. Uh, which is the big thing I'm pushing right now. Is I'm going back. I'm going backwards. I'm going from episode six back to one. I want to see how it goes the other way uh, and make sure all the pieces link together. And that there isn't a, a wasted moment. I mean, I do have a tendency sometimes to do a throwaway line, but then the next episode you realize that wasn't a throwaway line. That was a hidden comment. That was right, right. Bring up the next episode. But it's very tricky to make sure you hit the beats just the right way. And when you do it right, the actor's job, you did half their job for them. If that script works, they get the character. You don't have, the character doesn't have to say, what's my motivation? They go, I totally get what the motivation is. You know? <laughs> right, right. And they own it, and they make it happen. Fantastic. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. Well, what I had a one time I had a a, a very well known um, script consultant who uh, who also uh, uh, helped me write a miniseries that won a bunch of awards. And we had a we had a little a little quick debate one time about my log line. He says, "But your movie, your TV show, can't be just about a guy with the amnesia." I said. Well, that's actually what it's about. A guy with amnesia in an apocalypse. Nobody's done it before. Right. They'll do uh, an episode like uh, Walking Dead. The beginning part will be that, but they won't carry the rest of the show that way. It is, I'll tell you, as a scriptwriter, it is very difficult for me not just to have some characters sit down and go, let me give you a play-by-play what's going on. Because that totally ruined it. I mean, it was very difficult to come up with ways of not just giving away everything that's going on it, 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 and uh, 
having to give you and still pull you forward. But if you could do it, uh, the audience, I believe, will keep will keep coming back because they'll want to know, they want to see the pieces. And I, I don't tell the pieces in a simple uh, linear timeline. It goes back and forth between the big event, his flashbacks when he remembers pieces. And unlike Lost, Lost they'll do flashbacks. They're more of an interruption flashback. They don't influence the present right. day timeline. They just go, oh, by the way, this is John John Locke's life when he when he can walk. I'm like, oh, well, whatever. But this one instead is imagine if John Locke had amnesia and he's now remembering pieces and going, oh wait, I was married to that person. Oh, now I'm divorced to that person. Oh wait, my baby. Oh no, they're dead. You know, like back and forth, and that influences the emotional response. So with with Andrew's character, one moment he'll he'll be in love, the next moment he sees them breaking up, and then it's influencing the decisions he's making as he's going in some of his erratic behaviors directly related to the fact that he can only remember pieces. Right. And he's not sure where they're at. And I, I, that's very tricky to do, but I believe um, I believe we're, we're going to pull it off um, and give somebody um, a reason to keep coming back and watching it. I believe you will, because it's, like I said, it's it looks awesome. It really does. Thank um, you. So, is there anything else you would, you would like to speak about that we have not um, touched on? I would just tell people to keep coming back. Um, they can keep coming back to uh, Amnesia uh, TV dot com. They can check out more stuff there. Um, there there's also a, a fan page for Amnesia on uh, Facebook, and um, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm, uh, uh, my username is uh, JB Movies. Uh, we'll keep on updating stuff and how things are developing. Um, and uh, we're. Um, I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, and they also, uh, very soon in the near future, we will be releasing um, my last feature film, The House of Jack Broke. Um, so people can kind of get a taste of uh, some of my storytelling. Cool. Uh, which we'll, be, we'll post some stuff about that um, on Twitter and Facebook when it comes out. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on. Cause, I mean, I was glad to have you on here because it really, uh, really has my interest. It really does. So. Thank you. And you have a great Thank cast. You. And I hope that we get um, uh, multiple seasons out of this thing because there's been so many great actors that have contacted me. I'm like, oh, I wish I had another spot. <laughs> so hopefully, if we can get, if I can get more seasons out of this, and there's a lot more developments. I mean, if you watch, Amazon is getting into the original content thing. Netflix has already done it like three times. There's so many options out there, and I can really see so many different ways this thing could get distributed and if an audience picks up and they watch and that's why I tell, tell your, your viewers if this is something that you really want to watch you know what become a fan of the page tell people about it because the more people who hear about it the more seasons we can do the more of these really great actors that I can start to incorporate more of these people I've been meeting along the way because there's so many great personalities and, and actors out there that I just I'd love to put more into it but I only had six episodes and you start to run out of characters you can fill in right but I can really see this thing branching out and really going somewhere and, and, and getting a life of its own. Um, and I, I think that I'm, my hope is that this thing inspires a kind of a movement. Independent filmmakers stay in the film world because I don't think they can branch to TV. It's like, right. No, the independent spirit can go into anything. Right. And there's so many distribution options now that I can see more TV shows and I hope this one also proves that you don't have to do a comedy or a drama as a TV show. You can find a way to make something high-end looking uh, with the way technology is and yes. just getting creative. 
And there could be so many options out there beyond what we've got. And I think there's an audience out there that they're just chomping at the bit, wanting to find something they can really just sit down and watch. And I think that the independent filmmakers can go out there and they can do it too. Yep. Leader of the pack. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. It's uh, great, great talking to you, and I wish you all the best. Thank you.